Today we begin our, our sixth message in this series we've been walking through, which is building a foundation for us as a church as we ask the question, what's next? As we look to our 15th birthday or anniversary this fall, we're trying to say, what's next for Centerpoint, God? What do you want to year 16, 17, and 18 as we try to figure out that path and that ministry? What kind of ministries does God want us in, in, involved in? And so we've been on this journey. We will wrap this up next Sunday, and then we will head towards Easter Sunday. But to do this, we've been looking at the passions of Jesus, the, the purposes of Jesus, the priorities of Jesus. And, we, and we've been saying that what's important to him should be important to us. And, and how Jesus lived is how we should live. And so we've been trying to uncover many scriptures saying, okay, this is what Jesus was doing. This is how the early church then followed Jesus' example. And so now we're going to follow in that example. We talked about the kingdom of God. We talked about how Jesus was an evangelist and went out and shared the message. We unpacked the idea that Jesus made disciples, that he, he helped them grow in, in the things and the direction of God. We looked at how Jesus was a leader. We've covered how Jesus transformed communities. We talked about that last week, and we really dove in and saw how, how as, if we're going to do what Jesus did, then we must see as Jesus saw. We must feel what Jesus felt. We must do as, as Jesus did if we're going to transform communities. And so today, we're going to take that kind of another step further. But before I get into the focus of that today, let me encourage you to sign up for Dreams Unlimited. This is such an important event that we're having next Sunday. We're one week away, and it ties into this whole thing that we're talking about with what's next. And church, we're asking you to come and gather. We want to dream together. We want to pray together. We want to, we want to look forward together. And so that event next Sunday evening, we're going, to have, we're going to have all the kids taken care of. And so we can come. We're going to eat together. Kids will go to their kids' areas. And then we're going to spend some time just dreaming and praying and asking God what's next. But we need you to sign up, please. I think we're about 70 adults that are signed up for that. About 40 kids are signed up so far. And so it's not too late, but if you would sign up, that helps us to make sure we have enough food and make sure all the setup is ready to go. Today's message is a little bit different than what we've been doing. I kind of wanted to go about this from a different angle because, because this is kind of part two. We're talking about transforming communities and talking about helping the hurting and the two of those go together like this. If we're going to transform a community and change a neighborhood or change a city or change a nation or change a state, then we have to consider about helping the hurting. And we talked about that some last week to, to really open our eyes. And so Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, in Scripture, I think that approaches two, two, two understandings of that. One is... For sure, he's talking about the spiritually sick, those who don't know God, those who are wandering away. But it's also talking about the physically sick. It applies to both. You would not go to the doctor and say, hey, doctor, check me out. I'm all healthy, good. I don't need to see you, but I'm here. None of us would do that. We go to the doctor because why? I have a cough or I have a pain or something's going on. We say, doctor, check me out. And so we need the Lord Jesus to work on us physically and spiritually. And so the two go together. Jesus also said, love your neighbor as yourself. Remember the passage where Pharisees were testing Jesus and trying to say, which is the greatest commandment? And they were trying to test him of the Old Testament commandments, over 600 of them, which is the greatest? And Jesus summarizes it down and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So easy, though, to get right on by that and miss it. It's so easy for us to get busy in life. So if we're going to see as Jesus saw 
as we talked about last week, if we're going to really see the needs of people, and we're going to start praying, Lord, show me. Lord, I want to see this rule from your perspective. I challenged you last week, church. I know some of you are gone because you've been traveling for spring break. But I asked you, would you start just praying a simple prayer? Lord, open my eyes so I see this world the way you see this world. We will start seeing this world quite differently if we start praying that kind of prayer. And we start saying, Lord, let me see this world. And then we say, Lord, help me to feel the way you felt. And what we talked about last week is that he had compassion because he saw the people who were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And so what was it? Lord, help me to feel compassion for people. So when I see this world the way you see it, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to start seeing brokenness. You're going to start seeing hurting lives. You're going to start seeing people going through struggles. And then the question, what am I going to do with that? Do I have compassion to step into their world and love them right where they're at? Whoever it might be, son, a daughter, husband, a wife, a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, and then to do as Jesus did. Because Jesus didn't just see the people who are struggling and hurting. He did something, and he came in and entered their life. You go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you start thumbing through those Gospels, and you see how he helps the blind, he helps the mute, and he helps the sick, and he helps the bleeding, and he helps the people who are struggling, he helps the adulterer. I mean, story after story after story after story where Jesus saw, hey, they're harassed and they're helpless and they're hurting. I'll have compassion, and he enters in their life, and he does something about it. That's the example we're to follow. We're to see what's going on in someone's life, praying with his goggles, and, and not have judgment. Oh, I can't believe you're doing that. Oh, how can you participate in that? Well, it's your fault that you have that issue. No. We see their, their need, and we have compassion, and we move into that. We must be moved by love, church. If we're not moved by love, then we might as well throw away everything I've said over the last six weeks. If we're not moved by love, we might as well just take the dreams unlimited, take the what next step, put it all in trash can and throw it all away and say, let's just play church. That's not what I want center point to be. I want us to be a place that is moved by the love of Christ. That people go, that church over there, man, you get involved in that church, you get to know that church, that church loves our community. I'll tell you, church, we've fallen short sometimes. We've, we've, we've missed the mark, so to speak. Through 15 years, I look back and there's times I wish I could undo and go, man, I wish I would have done that different. Had one of those situations this week. I mean, I talked about this with you last week and I shared the quote right here. Love who's ever in front of you and love them well. That was last week's quote. I said, we've got to do a better job with that church. We were doing some fixing up around here. I was a back trailer back here with Daryl Foss. We were back trailer and some guy would come walking through the back door. I know who he was. It's like, where'd that guy all of a sudden just show up? Now, there's not a lot of people here during the week, but this guy just showed up out of the blue. He's like, hey, where's Citation at? My first thought was, are you serious? I mean, it's like right there. <laughs> okay, I'm confessing. Confession's good for your soul. It's like right there. I said, just keep going. I mean, it's like a couple hundred yards. You're going to turn right. And he said, well, I'm trying to get down to so-and-so. I was halfway listening. And he said, hey, I'm going to just get a quick drink of water. I said, okay. I said, how about I give you a bottle of water? And so I got him a bottle of water, and we had some donuts out there because we had people here working. And he took a donut, and I thought, you just taking my donuts. <laughs> so I jokingly said, hey, the water's free. The donuts are $3, you know, and he laughed. I didn't know he was on foot. And he, and he went outside, and I looked across the parking lot, and the guy started walking. And I'm not sure where he was walking, but I blew it in that moment. The Spirit said, Brian, go give him a ride. I went, man, we got a lot to get done around here. 
and I let them keep walking. That's got to change inside your preacher. That's got to change. That's not got to change just inside of me. That's got to change inside of all of us. That guy walked in our door. We gave him some water, showed him a little bit of care. But when's if I would have took him for a ride? What are you trying to get, buddy? What kind of conversation could have took place in that car? Discover what's going on inside of his life. He stopped in here for a reason. I missed the mark. I tell you that because we all are going to miss the mark. And we have missed the mark. And we're going to do that periodically. But we've got to be driven by love. And so today I said, I want this message to be a little bit different because I think there's so much teaching and the power of story. And so today I want you to hear a couple stories. I want you to hear a couple stories that just really illustrates when we love, what takes place, what happens. So Christine Mobley is going to come up here. We love to hear personal stories. And Christine uh, was here when we first started doing this a little over a year ago, and she heard us sharing stories, and she came a couple months ago and says, I love to tell my testimony. I love to share my story. And I said, let's work that out in a time where it really makes sense with the messages and the sermons that we're having. And so Christine's going to share her story. And uh, let me just say up front, I'd love to hear your story. We'd love to hear your testimony, what God's done in your life. But this is Christine Mobley, and so she's going to come and just share with us for a few minutes. Mike, that's on is helpful. So, Good morning. I like responses. I'm a teacher, so this is nice. Growing up in a Christian home, I wasn't exposed to many of the terrible things of this world. My parents did their best to shield me and protect me, but life still happened. When I was three months old, I was diagnosed with meningitis, but thankfully I did not face a lot of the challenges and deficits once I healed. From the very beginning of my life, God showed me the mighty power of his healing hand. When I was in sixth grade, I was sick with what my mom and I thought was just a normal stomach bug. But after a doctor's visit, a rush to the ER, several tests, and ID bags later, I was diagnosed with E. coli. I was admitted for three days, but I didn't understand that I was actually staring death in the face. Um, sorry, God said to me, my child, I'm not done with you yet. There's still more for you to accomplish. I remember my classmates drew get well cards, and I even had a Sunday school teacher come in and color with me simply to help me pass the time. After graduating with my bachelor's in interior design, I struggled to find a job at a local interior design firm in Nashville. But I noticed the Home Depot was hiring a kitchen and bath designer. So I worked for them from 2007 to 2013. And during those six years, I battled with my purpose and direction in life. I felt as though I was wasting my time and my talents. I specifically remember an interaction I had with a customer I was selling a washer and dryer to. He looks at me and he said, you know what? You'd be a great teacher. And I was actually toying with the idea of going to grad school and getting my master's degree. And that little conversation pushed me to put my application in. God had me there for his purpose. And another reason I know I was supposed to be there was because that's where I met my husband, David. We were both working for Home Depot at the time. On September 9th, 2008, I woke up at around 3 o'clock from a dead sleep and noticed a light coming from my living room. Now, mind you, I lived by myself. 
So I went to figure out what was going on, discovered my front door to my second floor apartment was on fire. At that moment, God gave me this crazy sense of clarity. And he's like, yeah, you're probably going to have to jump, and you're most likely going to go to the hospital. So I grabbed my keys, my phone, and my wallet, went to my balcony, crawled over the railing, and decided to kind of be a spider monkey. Grabbed the railing, thought I could grab the, the landing below, and I slipped. Landed flat on my back, blacked out for a few seconds. But once I came to, ran to the parking lot, looked at the apartment, saw the devastation, half of the building was on fire. Went to the ER, um, got checked out, only had minor sprains. I lost about 90% of my belongings, but the words to my parents, I said, it's just stuff, I'm okay. And to this day, that has stuck with me. The residents of the apartment complex donated simple items like toiletries and towels and dishes. And that simple gesture of a community coming together gave all of us this sense of peace and this sense of hope in this devastating time in our lives. I very well could have died that night of smoke inhalation, but God said to me, it's not your time, my daughter. You still have more to do. The months and years to follow and even times to this day, I've battled with severe PTSD from the simple smell of smoke to waking up in a panic in the middle of night thinking my house is on fire. Now let's fast forward to 2015. I graduated from Colorado State University with my master's degree, moved back to Nashville, married my best friend David, got my first college teaching job at Baylor University and moved to Waco, Texas, all within about a month. But now this is not all without facing financial uncertainty because I didn't get the notification I had the job until three days before classes started. We were obviously newlyweds and we could not live on David's salary. I remember a conversation I had with my dad reminding us that God knows that next step and we simply need to trust in him. So let's fast forward to 2017. 2017, my contract with Baylor University was up. Um, I was back to resume building and filling out massive amounts of applications. I had only been teaching for two years at that point, so I was questioning my talent, my ability, my worth, and my overall impact on this new career I had worked so very hard to establish. I felt completely devastated. Now keep in mind I had already applied to UK and the door had closed. But I got an email from the director at that time, and he said, are you still interested in the position? And of course, I said yes. God opened that door, and he pushed me through. And here we are today. David and I left a church in Waco where they fed us and they loved us for where we are in our walk. They walked with us through some trials and tribulations during the two years we were there. But little did we know, God would bring us here to Center Point. To a church family who pushes us to have more intimate relationships with the Lord and so much more. We've been here for about two years. And during these times of uncertainty and confusion of why Kentucky, why UK, why higher education, God gently reminds me, I've got you. I've placed you here for my purpose and I'm not done yet. God's given us friends who remind us, you are not alone. And he's also provided us friends that remind us, 
My job is not me. I am not defined by what I do. <clears throat> That's right. He's provided us with a church family who help us plug in and serve his kingdom. A church family who helps us grow not only as individuals, but as man and wife. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and I knew a church family was important. I knew they could help change your life, but I never knew they could help change your heart and your soul. And for that, Center Point Christian family, I thank you. In February of this year, the dean of my college announced that she was eliminating four positions within my department. I hold one of those. The four of us are leaning on each other for not only encouragement, but support. We are not fighting each other for jobs. During all of this, I felt as though God's calling me to stay here in Lexington. So that means I'm transitioning out of higher education and back into practicing design. I had a conversation with a colleague of mine on Friday night. She turned down a job and she told them, Christine Mobley's the gal for you. God has opened up so many doors during this time and I'm excited about what's to come with my career. Now all of this to say it's not about the situation. It's not about the tribulation or even the illness. It's not about our successes or our triumphs. It's about him. It's about the Lord telling us, I've got you, my child. Trust in me, lean on me, and have faith. I was desperate and broken. He gave me hope. I was in despair and distraught, but he gave me joy. I was at the end of my rope, and he gave me peace. Amen. Y'all thank Christine for sharing. Thank you. Christine, many of us say, why Kentucky? Still trying to figure that one out. Did y'all hear the connections of love? A Sunday school teacher who showed up in her hospital room just to color with her. A client coming through Home Depot, a shopper who encourages and adds life to her by just speaking and saying, you know, you'd make a great teacher. Those who are supporting when you go through a a fire, those who are co-workers. We were talking about earlier. She said, there's, there's like no arguing and fighting. We're just helping and encouraging one another. We get a chance to do that in people's lives. See, many times we think it's got to be this big old thing going on. No, sometimes it's just the simple, small little thing. Sometimes just the word of encouragement brings love and blows wind and energy into someone's sails. The next story I want to share with you comes from a New York City tax, taxi driver. Here's what he wrote. I arrived at the address and honked the horn. After waiting a few minutes, I honked again. Since this was going to be my last ride of my shift, I thought about just driving away. But instead, I put the car in park and walked up to the door and knocked. Just a minute, answered a frail, elderly voice. I could hear something being dragged across the floor. After a long pause, the door opened. A small woman in her 90s stood before me. She was wearing a print dress and a pillow, pillow box hat with a veil pinned on it, like somebody out of the 1940s movie. By her side was a small nylon suitcase. The apartment looked as if no one had lived in it for years. All the furniture was covered with sheets. 
There were no clocks in the walls, no knickknacks or utensils on the counters. In the corner was a cardboard box filled with photos and glassware. Would you carry my bag out to the car, she said. I took the suitcase to the cab, then returned to assist the woman. She took my arm, and we walked slowly toward the curb. She kept thanking thanking me for my kindness. It's nothing, I told her. I just try to treat my passengers the way I want my mother to be treated. Oh, you're such a good boy, she said. When we got in the cab, she gave me an address and then asked, could we drive through downtown? It's not the shortest way, I answered her quickly. She said, oh, I don't mind. I don't mind. I'm in no hurry. I'm on the way to a hospice. I looked in the rearview mirror. Her eyes were glistening. I don't have any family left, she continued in a soft voice. The doctor says I don't have very long. I quietly reached over and shut the meter off. What route would you like to take, I asked. For the next two hours, we drove through the city. She showed me the building where she had once worked as an elevator operator. We drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived and where they were newly wed. She had me pull up in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a girl. Sometimes she'd ask me to slow in front of a particular building or corner and would sit staring in darkness saying nothing. As the first hint of sun was cresting the horizon, she suddenly said, I'm tired. Let's go now. We drove in silence to the address she had given me. It was a low building, like a small convalescent home, with a driveway that passed under a portico. Two orderlies came out to the cab as soon as I pulled up. They were solicitous and intent, watching her every move. They must have been expecting her. I opened the trunk and took the small suitcase to the door. The woman was already seated in a wheelchair. How much do I owe you, she asked, reaching into her purse. Nothing, I said. You have to make a living, she answered. There are other passengers, I responded. Almost without thinking, I bent and gave her a hug. She held on to me tightly. You gave an old woman a little moment of joy, she said. Thank you. I squeezed her hand and then walked into the dim morning light behind me. A door shut. It was a sound of the closing of a life. I didn't pick up any more passengers that shift. I drove aimlessly lost in thought. For the rest of that day, I could hardly talk. What if that woman had gotten an angry driver or one that was impatient to end his shift? What if I had refused to take the run or had honked once and then driven away, as many taxi drivers will do? On a quick review, I don't think that I've done anything more important in my life We're conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments, but great moments often catch us unaware, beautifully wrapped in what others may consider a small one. Simple task of love. You and I have these opportunities before us every day, church. Every day. There's someone who needs us to slow down. Someone who needs us to be patient someone who needs us to share a word of encouragement, someone who needs us to listen, someone who needs us maybe to shut off the bill, so to speak, just to show the love of Jesus. This next story hits a little closer to home. This is Landon Davenport. I've met Landon just a few times, but I know his father, Chris, rather well because Chris was the construction manager on this building that we sit in today. He worked for an organization called CDF Church Development Fund, a very similar to Solomon Foundation. And Chris would come monthly to check in and see 
how we're doing. So Chris and I really got to know each other during that journey of building this building, developed a pretty good friendship, and he helped quite a bit. He actually helped with design elements on that when he came to visit one time and he saw our plans and said, can I give you some suggestions for change? And he had some great suggestions. Landon is autistic. He's been having a pain in his leg for some time. His parents thought he rolled an ankle or twisted it somehow, and so they were allowing some time for that ankle to heal, but it wasn't really getting better. Long story short, after testing, they found out Landon has leukemia in his leg. He's 19 years old. Landon needs routine, as many autistic children do. If not, it throws him off greatly, which leads him to meltdowns and great outbursts and can really mess up his entire day. Needless to say, being in a hospital right now and for the next four to five weeks is going to be a great challenge. Uh, his dad, Chris, wrote this the other day and posted it on his Facebook page. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You may know it is it is a saying, or you may know it as a song. They will know we are Christians by our love. Remember singing this as a kid, but not really understanding it until much later in life? If you know it, I'm betting right now you're singing it in your head. I'm also assuming most of us have been to one of those churches, the ones who make you feel worse when you walk out than when you walked in. It's a huge mistake many churches fall into, and I don't think any are immune we can beat folks over the head with Scripture, but if you're not loving on them in a non-judgmental manner, it won't matter at all. There's another saying I really like, imitation is more important than information. Kind of reinforces what I just said above. I've been preached to and I've been preached at plenty of times in my life, but the one times I've never truly felt God's hand of comfort and peace encompass me is when I'm in a weakened state and I'm being held up by the Christ-centered, unconditional love of my family and friends. Today is one of those days. I was feeling weary this morning. Christy, my wife, was flat, worn out from broken sleep, and Landon was still in a bunch of pain. His throat was really, really hurting him, and he was having trouble taking medication, let alone taking a single sip of water. The medications he did get had an adverse effect on his attitude, making him verbally and physically combative to anyone walking in a room. Well, anyone but our special visitors today. No names need to be given, but Landon's heart was chalked full when each and every one of them walked into his room. Our visitors' grace and patience helped Landon through the pain, put a smile on his face, and helped get over some big humps in the road. These were huge humps with which Chrissy and I were really struggling. The help wasn't just for Landon, as they were here for Chrissy and me as well. Grace, comfort, and generosity flowed today from his disciples. Prayers lifted us up when we were flat beaten down. God showed up big time today. This attached picture is one I took at 10 tonight. It's a complete 180 degree turnaround from the way Landon looked and felt this morning. I'm thoroughly convinced Landon wouldn't be wearing this smile, much less sitting upright without the intervention of family and friends who loved on him and us today. We are getting ready to turn in for the night. I'm assuming you all are as well, if not already. So Landon and I will ask each of you a favor tomorrow. Simply love one another. 
just as Jesus loves you. Love each other. You, know, you don't know what's going on in the life of that person on the other end of the phone call. You don't know the hidden hurt being suppressed by the server in the drive through window. You don't know the loss felt from the person who puts on a smile and is trying to just get through the meeting. Everyone has a story. Take the opportunity to be light. They certainly don't need more of the opposite. Their reaction will warm two hearts. Landon says, do it. So you've not much of a choice here. Are you going to look this kid in the eye and tell him no? Me either. The simple task of making some visits to somebody going through a hurt, a trial, a struggle to lift somebody's day. Church, this is what we're here for. We're here to bring the love of Christ into this world. And before we speak our message, we need to show our message. So how do we do this? How, how do we love people? How do we do everyone? Each and every person is hurting in some way. I imagine if we went around the room right now, everybody in here could say, yeah, I've got a challenge. I have a trial. I have a hurt. I have a pain, something I'm dealing with. So every time we come to gather as a church, we have an opportunity to show love. Every time you walk in your workplace, you have an opportunity to show love. Every time you go into the school, you have an opportunity to love. Every time you interact with a neighbor, you have an opportunity to show love. How do we do this in some very practical ways? Let me just give you some quick ideas. Add value to every person you meet. Every person you meet needs to know they're valuable. A situation like a man at Home Depot who says to Christine, you know, you could be a good teacher. Just added value and was a thing that helped spur her on. You know what? I'm going to pursue education. What about just being friendly? You know, one of the things that drives me crazy are Christians who have met Jesus and their face hasn't realized it yet. You know what I'm talking about. You've met them too. If, G- if you've met Jesus, there should be something different about us, even in the midst of the trials. We can be friendly. You can affect somebody's life just by being friendly and kind. You can change someone's life, make a difference. When God leads you to do something, do it. I already confessed my sin this week. I blew it. If He leads you to do it and you're going, how am I going to do that? I trust you. He'll empower you with the strength to do it. He won't lead us to do something if he's not going to give us the tools and the power to do that. So when he leaves you, then go do it. What about just simply saying, hi, how are you? Don't you love those elevator rides where everybody gets on and they all stare at each other? Boy, just to look at someone and say, hi, how are you doing today? Or to ask that waiter or waitress, hi, how are you doing today? While they're waiting on you, for you to take time to care about them. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes the food may be late. Sometimes the food may be cold. And sometimes we expect, well, it should be this way and this way. We don't know what's going on in the kitchen. We don't know what's going on at the cooks. What about just kindness and gentleness in the restaurant scene? Say hi. Get out in the world and act like Jesus. People are hurting all around us, and if we really embrace who Jesus is and see what he did, and we do what he did, then people are going to see the love of Christ. Remember, it's not always the big things. I love that Christine said about the, the Sunday school teacher who came and just colored with her. It's not always the big things. Sometimes the small, little, simple gestures of you just giving a little bit of time, that you just showing somebody that you care, you taking the time just to listen, 
could really make a difference in someone's life. And following his steps, but also following his stops. As you study this week and you look at the text that we have laid out in our growth guide and you open up and you read some stories about Jesus, you're going to see that there was times when he had to stop, when the disciples were saying, let's go, let's move this way, let's move that way. And Jesus said, whoa, stop. And sometimes it's just us stopping and slowing down and doing that. And we need to pray that God will make us a blessing everywhere we go. What if you wake up in the morning, you started praying, Lord, make me a blessing today wherever I go. If I go to the gas station, may I bless somebody. If I go to work, may I bless somebody. I go shopping, may I bless somebody. Whatever I do today, make me a blessing and pray that God would open your eyes so that you can see that world the way he sees it. And then we start to, to have his heart and his eyes for this world. And we help other people, and we meet their needs. We start praying, Lord, help me to meet somebody's needs. You know, we don't even need to pray for God to meet someone's need if we would just do it when we can. See, when we pray for God to meet someone's need and we choose not to do it, that's called indifference. Start praying, God, help me to meet someone's need, and then show me opportunities to do that. And indifference makes an excuse, but love always finds a way. We can start praying that kind of prayer. Lord, help me to be a blessing. Psalm 37.3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. When we do good by trusting God, we're then showing the love of Christ. Church, we're going to continue to ask the question, what's next? God, where are you leading us? God, where are you directing us? God, what's the next ministries for Centerpoint Christian Church? How do you want to expand the territory of this ministry? What do you want us to do? How do we carry the impact of Jesus? But it must be guided by love. It must be guided by that mindset, that we have that mindset that whoever's in front of us will love them and will love them well. Are we not thankful that Jesus saw us and loved us and loved us well and went to the cross? He loved us well. He loved us with his best. God gave his best in Jesus Christ for you and me. We need to do that for a community.